Hey, it's Emma from the Jack FM News team, narrating a podcast all about the coronavirus in Oxfordshire just for you and everyone else who listens to it. And we do encourage that and telling everyone about Jack's viral podcast. Anyway, let's get started. Since our last podcast, the government has published draft guidance to help Britain get back to business once the lockdown measures are eased. We've also been told that plans to ease lockdown measures in the UK could start on Monday and to expect a phased approach to the reopening of schools, which has prompted a local charity to put out a call for volunteers who can help teach kids to read once they're back open. There's more for you on this and other stories shortly. But first, the original plans to celebrate the 75th anniversary of VE Day have been forced to change across the UK as a result of the coronavirus outbreak. We've been finding out how Oxfordshire's adapting its celebrations to mark the big day. Emma told me that Long Whittenham, the village where she lives, is remembering our past heroes by supporting today's. We were hoping to have a big celebration on Friday, starting off with our annual fun run. And then we had a whole day of celebrations planned, including a swing band, vintage tea room, sing songs around the piano, kids games, and um, also joining in the nation's toast to the heroes of World War II. Obviously, that's that's not possible now with um, with COVID-19. And what's your new plan? Yeah, well, we thought it was a really good opportunity to do something positive for our local NHS heroes. So we've chosen to remember our past heroes by supporting today's. Um, And what we're going to be doing is putting together 300 care packs for NHS teams. So the first thing that we did was to talk to individuals who are working in the NHS and find out what sort of things they need um, and how we can help them in their day-to-day. And we found out that, you know, their faces and their lips are really sore under the masks that they're having to wear. Their hands are sore from all the hand washing. Um, They're showering as soon as they finish their shift, Um, sometimes at work before they go home. They're having to wash their uniforms every day separately to other clothes. And many of them are choosing to self-isolate to protect their families and really kind of need a boost, really. Plus, some of the nurses that are working in hospitals like Abingdon Hospital have um, been redeployed. So they're working in very unfamiliar environments and, and very new roles. So what we want to provide for them is personal care packs containing things like hand cream, lip balm, shower gel, razors, face wipes, as well as laundry tablets and tea and coffee and lots of cake. So we've got lots of bakers in the village that are making them cake. The packs are going to go to places like Abingdon Hospital, as well as the patient transport service at the South Central Ambulance Service. And we're also supporting Oxford Health Charity. Can the public get involved with helping to fill these care packs? Yeah, we'd love them to. So since we started this initiative just over 10 days ago, it's grown really, really quickly. And we've got a number of different ways now that people can get involved. Um, If you're more remote, the first way that you can get involved is to go to our village website, which is longwittenham.com. And on there, you'll see a number of posts detailing different ways that you can get involved. You'll also find a link to our Amazon wish list. Again, if you select local NHS heroes as the delivery address, that will come straight to us here. But people need to act quite quickly there because our donation drive is this Sunday. You can also come and join in the fun on Sunday the 10th of May by buying items and bringing them to Long Whitnam Village Hall between 10am and 2pm. We're going to have 
people dressed up as land girls will have the music blaring um, and there'll be social distancing in place. And you wanted to do some shout-outs. Who do you want to thank? Everybody in Long Whitnam and the surrounding villages who've already got involved by pledging items. I'd really like to thank Waitrose Wallingford who donated over 500 items at the weekend which really took these care packs to the next level. Um, the Big Small Shop who've come on board and are supporting us via their website. Smurfit Kappa who are a packaging company and they've provided us with all of our packaging for the individual care packs and larger deliveries and of course all of our NHS heroes. Meanwhile in Bicester, the Mayor Jason Slowmaker told me that residents are being encouraged to make bunting and get crafty. Bicester Town Council had a grand plans to have a commemorative family picnic in Garth Park um, on Friday the 8th of May followed by an open air service of remembrance in Market Square on the 10th of May and um, sadly um, since the outbreak of COVID-19 we've had to cancel those plans but we've um, not been held back in in our planning for the celebrations and we've turned to um, sort of virtual celebrations and encouraging people to, to stay at home. Has it been a bit of a challenge to adapt in terms of organising the celebrations? It's been a huge challenge. Um, the team have worked extremely hard behind the scenes. As, as I'm sure you can imagine, the events that we had in place, um, they started planning last year. Um, so they've had to unpick those plans and move those plans online, as it were, in particular with the service of remembrance that, that has been moved online. So people can still take part with the service from home via Zoom. That, that will still take place on Sunday. We're also encouraging people to make their own bunting um, and stay at home and make their own bunting. Um, so we've got lots of resources on, online on our website for that. And um, We've also teamed up with the cafe in Garth Park to provide some recipes so that residents can do some home baking as well. For more on how Oxfordshire is marking victory in Europe Day, head to the news pages of our website at jackfm.co.uk. Now, as lockdown rules are relaxed in Italy, I caught up with the managing director of an olive oil company in Oxford, which has pledged to support olive farmers in Sicily. Giuseppe also has family there. The farmers have been impacted quite badly because in Italy, you know, uh, they took some very draconian measures, which means that uh, they can't even uh, travel to their farms without being stopped by the police. And, you know, they have to produce a document where they say that, you know, they're allowed to go to their farms. So as you can imagine, it's not been easy for them. Uh, as a result, of course, uh, uh, they're not being able to sell their produce, which means that they're um, experiencing some uh, difficulties. Um, so the company here in the UK, actually, it's doing uh, pretty well, all things considered, because a lot of people are not going to the shops anymore. So a lot of them are buying online. And because we are helping the farmers by buying more olive oil. Have you had quite a big stockpile of olive oil? Not really, because uh, the way we work is, uh, you know, the, the olive harvest is once a year in October. So every year afterwards, we do a Kickstarter campaign, which means that we uh, are able to bring fresh olive oil to the UK to those people who take part in the Kickstarter campaign. So we do it once a year. Since the pandemic, we've been actually importing more stock from Italy from the farmers uh, to help them. So uh, whereas before we used to sell uh, our stock once a year, only after the harvest in October, now we're selling it also now, which we normally we won't have any stock. How have you felt seeing what's unfolded then in Italy? You know, at first, 
it felt really horrible. It felt devastating. I felt desperate because uh, uh, the first couple of weeks in Italy, it was a major, major issue. And reading the Italian newspapers, it was really terrible. Mostly because in the UK, there was nothing was happening. The press wasn't talking about it. Life went on uh, as it was normally. So from my experience reading the news in Italy, I knew that it was one to come to the UK. <laughs> I knew that, you know, two weeks in advance, it was really, really a sinking feeling. If you'd like to know more about the project, just search Oglio UK on Facebook to find out more. As the lockdown continues, it's impacting on local charities, especially ones which support vulnerable people in the county. Daybreak Oxford, which runs day clubs in the city for people living with dementia, has put out an emergency appeal to make sure it can survive the pandemic. It suffered a huge financial blow when restrictions kicked in. Jane Lasney is Head of Trusts and Foundations. I think every single one of our staff thinks about our club members and their families 24-7. The day we closed the clubs, there were tears everywhere. Um, Everyone was absolutely heartbroken and there were some very sad farewells because, of course, you know, you just didn't know what was in the future. We've now settled down into that mindset of we want to do as much as possible um, to help our families. So our club staff, our care staff, are working round the clock, really, uh, ringing up on a regular basis, every club member to have a chat because, of course, you've got to remember that they need to speak to the staff that they're familiar with, that they know. You can't, not just anyone can ring a a family member or a club member up. It has to be those ones that they know and love. So our staff are ringing people and they're chatting with them and they're finding out what they're doing. We're also sending lots of activities to them electronically, things like Daily Sparkle, which are lots of different activities that you can do. Um, We're sending them things that that might be musical, that might be art-based, because we're trying very, very hard to keep them mentally stimulated at home. But, you know, the other side of that coin is talking to the families who now have no respite whatsoever in terms of care, and we need them to have um, an outlook where they can raise their their concerns and just talk about how they're feeling. It it takes its toll on staff. Uh, It takes its toll because we we find out on a weekly basis that some of our club members have had to go into temporary respite care because things have got so tough. We know former club members have passed away because of the virus, and now we know that some of our club members have been affected too. By the sounds of it, such a sort of close-knit community with all of your staff, having to hear that some of your clients are sort of suffering and have been affected, it must be just difficult. Yeah, the only way you can come back from that is with a really positive mindset to look forward to a happier future. And that's why we launched an emergency fund. And from that emergency fund, we're urging people to give so that we can then be in a fantastic position to reopen those clubs with whistles and bells, that we are really ready and prepared as a charity to do that and have the the financial clout to continue running those clubs and hopefully launch new clubs as well uh, in the future. It's interesting because I personally donated to our fund and I donated 
because of in memory of my my lovely mother-in-law um pat who who died last year and she'd had dementia for five or six years and and it had it took a terrible toll on her life and i i would sort of urge people that they may not know our clubs or they may know our clubs but if they could give a little something by our, our website um, at Daybreak Oxford, maybe in memory of someone, a family member or a friend that's been affected by dementia, or perhaps it's somebody you know um, that that has uh, that is still living with them um, that is that has got dementia. It's it's a challenging thing, um, and it, I felt so much better giving in memory of Pat. And I'd love other people to do the same. We at Daybreak believe that the elderly are amongst the most important people in our society. They're not dispensable. They are incredible people. And I think a really good society looks after its vulnerable members. And that's what Daybreak wants to do. But it can't do it without people helping us and donating to the emergency fund. That was Jane Lasney speaking to our reporter, Joe Summerbell, about Daybreak Oxford. Over in Chipping Norton, Fairytale Farm, a visitor attraction designed for disabled children has made an urgent appeal to the public for funds to help care for their animals. Owner Nick Lester has been chatting to Alex. We've got, we've got to feed the animals. We've got farriers to pay for vets, hay, water. Um, you know, all the, all the things that you normally need to do, none of that changes because of coronavirus. The animals have to get 100% the same care that they would get otherwise, and they have to be fed. At the moment, we have, we have no money coming in. We've, uh, we're relying on a, a GoFundMe campaign, um, which we started, and that's been great. Uh, we've had a, you know, a good response to that. But obviously the lockdown continues, and that's, um, uh, it just makes life very difficult for us at the moment. And there's no obvious um, date on which it can reopen either, because um, the end of the lockdown won't allow us to reopen. It would, the government are going to, as I understand it, probably phase reopening of, of different types of business over you know, the following months. So it could well be that we'll, uh, we won't open until a lot later in the year. In terms of um, numbers, animal-wise, what are we talking about here? What types of animals and how many? So we've got about 90 animals on the site. So that includes everything from alpacas, donkeys, ponies, pigs, uh, goats, sheep, sort of animals like that, uh, farm, farm animals to a range of birds, and we've got rears, sort of exotic rears, uh, turkeys, chickens. Um, we've got smaller animals too that we used to petting, like rabbits and guinea pigs. So yeah, we've got a whole whole range of animals, um, and it's a, obviously it's a 365 day a year job keeping animals. It doesn't it, it doesn't stop because of the re- the weather or the season or coronavirus. So there's two concerns really. The first concern is the immediate, which is obviously we're closed. So the immediate concern to be able to keep feeding the animals and just keep keep Fairytale Farm afloat so that it doesn't essentially uh, go bust, run out of money. Um, and the, we do have a longer-term concern, which is um, that for seasonal businesses such as ours, you know, if we start to come back into action, let's say in the autumn, which is the best guess at the moment that uh, we're being given, um, that's when we start to go into our quiet period again. So we'll be, as uh, other businesses start opening and you know, maybe they'll get a boom time um, when things start moving again. But uh, we'll be going into our hibernation. And uh, the only way we get through a winter is by taking money in the spring and the summer, because that's how seasonal businesses work. And we won't have taken money in the spring and the summer. So this coming winter, twenty, the winter of 2020 stroke 2021, is going to be a very scary time for us, I think.
um, seeing how we can how we can get through those uh, those win- those coming winter months. So yeah, our concerns really are in are in those two areas. And obviously we've had a and we have had a, a very good response to our GoFundMe campaign and also our crowdfunder campaign that we're trying to raise funds to keep things going. So we've been really pleased that um, what both of those campaigns have given us. But um, at the moment, you know, we need to keep them going really because um, it's uh, there is no end in sight at this moment in time. Have you been shocked at all by the public response? People putting their hands in their pockets at this time for you guys? Oh, I've been I've been totally overwhelmed by it. It's been we've got people who've been giving us donating money to us who've never even visited Fairytale Farm, and the people around sort of Chipping Norton and this part of Oxfordshire have been incredible. We've had people offering us animal feed, hay, supermarkets offering us vegetables and fruit um, at the end of the day that they, they don't sell. You know, we've even had a, a bag of horse feed we found on, on by our gates one morning that somebody had put there. It's just been um, incredible, the, the, the way that people have, um, have sort of come together and, and tried to help Fairytale Farm. I'm fairly sure that we wouldn't be here now uh, were it not for that. A local football club's launched a big fundraising appeal as well to raise money for the NHS and to make sure that it can survive the lockdown. I spoke to Anna, whose fiancé David Platt is the trustee of Kidlington FC, He's been in intensive care for four weeks battling COVID-19. Obviously, it's a very worrying time. Um, a lot better now that we know he's going to be, you know, he's getting better, but it's going to be a long journey ahead. Can you tell us when you started to actually notice that he was getting unwell? To be honest, he didn't have any of the symptoms that they say about. He didn't have a dry cough um, or uh, trouble breathing. Um, we thought that he was coming down with the flu. And he was in bed for a few days, um, but obviously didn't think the last thing we thought it would be would be COVID. You mentioned that he's going to be transferred to a ward. Yeah, it's been really worrying. Um, At one time, you know, we thought we were going to lose him. Um, But the NHS has done an amazing job and he is slowly getting better. And so now there's this fundraiser been launched. Why is it important to you? Um, It's important to me because Kidlington Football Club is very close to Dave's heart. Um, and obviously the NHS a hundred times more now. And here's Barry, the director of Kidlington FC, talking to our reporter Alex about their fundraising appeal. We've got six teams involved at the football club. Uh, each team is having a separate challenge. So the first team are going to run to uh, David's favourite team's home ground and back, not once but twice, in seven days. So that's a distance of 652 miles. Uh, obviously, they're not going to run there they, uh, because of the uh, government restrictions, but they're going to do the distance. So um, that's good. The development team are going to do 20, uh, a 20 minute run for 20 consecutive days, and they're going to be recording that. The A team or the third team that we have are going to do a 1,000 kilometre cycle race. And finally, the academy, the under 17s and under 16s, are going to do a 5 kilometre run every day for seven days. And then hopefully between them, we can raise an awful lot of money for the football club and for the NHS. That is no small task running all the way, the distance at least, to Ellen Road, is it? No, absolutely. There's 20 involved in the first team at the moment that are going to do that. So they're obviously going to divide it between themselves. But between them, they're confident they can do it. So it'll it'll be a good pre-season run for them when we finally get back to normality. I've played football all my life at a very poor level. I understand from my time playing football that there is nothing footballers like to do less than just go for a run. But obviously, it can't have been too difficult to motivate them in this uh, situation. No, certainly not. With um, David, um, who's been involved with the, I've been at the club 15 years, and he's been there a long, a long, a lot longer than myself. 
Uh, everyone knows him. He, he's the part of the fabric of Kidlington Football Club, and it was very easy once we once we had the idea to uh, generate interest. All the teams are getting involved, as I said to you earlier, and um, yeah, they're all, they're all taking their own uh, part in it. So, yeah, should be good. Do you have a, a target? Well, yeah, we put a target down of three thousand pound, which works out at five hundred pound a team. Anyone who's in, been involved in the football club or involved in one of the players that uh, are with the football club. Uh, go onto our website or our Twitter page and have a look and please donate as little or as much as you can. And how important are football clubs like this to the local community? Oh, very important. Um, as I say, we run uh, a men's team from the first team right the way down to under-16s. We also have a, a, a social club. Obviously, everything's on lockdown at the moment. Uh, we've still got our electric, water, gas, insurances to pay out. But we've got absolutely no money coming in, so this is vitally important for the for the club to stay solvent, really. And as attention turns to the new normal following lockdown, a local charity has launched a recruitment drive for volunteers to go into Oxfordshire's primary schools and help children read. Arch Oxfordshire already has 300 volunteers, but Elaine Adams, the development manager, thinks the children will need more support after the crisis. I think we are very worried that in this time of um, homeschooling, which, I mean, there's some great initiatives with a lot of resources going out to homeschooled children. Um, a lot of the disadvantaged children in Oxfordshire, a lot of children we actually do work with, perhaps they don't have um, home computers or not enough for the amount of children in the homes. They might not even have broadband. So I think this is going to make it a big difference when we do all get back into some sort of normality of school life, which might be set September, I would imagine. Um, I think these children are going to um, really have regressed in, in so many things. You know, it, they're just missing out, really, in many ways they do already, but even more so because they can't access what perhaps a lot of the other children can. How can people help in Oxfordshire? Well, I mean, we've got, um, we really want to have a huge recruitment drive for um, when we do get back into schools. And so we're asking for people to volunteer for ARCH. Um, we are recruiting at the moment. We're still doing uh, taking applications. We've got details on our website to download applications to apply for us. We want to have um, people up and running and ready for September, October time, whenever we start back in school, that we can say to schools, here's um, you know, a band of volunteers to help you in schools when you get started because we think we'll be needed more than ever. So if people would listening and they would like to volunteer, helping one-to-one -one with children, building relationships, building their self-esteem, sharing a love of books. We play games as well in the session. It's, it's all a very fun-related thing, but at the end of the day, the children do learn to love books and reading. That's the main aim of it. But it's through half-hour fun sessions that we actually operate. So we'd like more people to come forward and apply, really, to volunteer for ARCH so that we can be there to help the schools when they need it. Search ARCH Oxfordshire online if you'd like to volunteer. That's the end of the Jack FM News podcast on the coronavirus in Oxfordshire. Keep up to date with the latest news on the crisis in the county by giving Jack FM News a follow on Twitter and keeping us in your timeline. Thanks for listening.